Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Today we're continuing with our series through Joshua called Faithful Consistently. And what you've, if this is your first Sunday here with us and you're like, I, I missed the others, let me, let me give you uh, my take on Joshua. Uh, Joshua was a man that was faithful consistently. And faithful consistently people um, are who God uses. Because they're the ones that stay connected to the Father. And I believe, like we talked about in the first week, is that Joshua's connection to the presence of God is really what carried him through all of what we have seen and are going to see through next week. Is that he loved the presence of God so much that he allowed his connection to the Father to lead him through all the things that he was going to go through. And we looked at last week uh, how important it is that we filter our point of view through our trust in God. Because it is, uh, every one of us are shaped by what we experience, and if we don't filter what we experience every day through the trusting and presence of God, then we'll allow the world to shape us instead of knowing and trusting that God is leading us through that. And so today I want to talk about this idea of how important it is to remember. We, and I'll speak for myself here, I am a forgetful person. Um, I've said this a lot in this phrase. I've said a lot in church. Um, I believe in God historically in my life, my personal life, because I've seen it happen. I've seen him rescue. I've seen him redeem. I've seen him show up. I've seen him do amazing things. I mean, our, our church is going on into our 12th year this year, and we're still here. We've made it through COVID in at some point, hopefully real soon, uh, we'll be moving forward and building a building and all of these other things. But it's so easy, in spite of seeing God move, and maybe you're with me here, as you've seen God move and you're like, yes, I know and trust and believe in God. But in moments, we forget and we don't live historically. When the next thing that we've seen him deliver us from in the past, when it hits us in the face, we're like... We're all going to die. You get up front and you're like, I don't have a microphone on. I mean, things happen. And you just take it on the chin and it's all right. 100%. But how we remember who God is shapes what we do with our future. Because when we stop in the moments and remember that he is historically good to us. In the moment, we cannot define whether this is good or bad. Every scenario, some of the worst things in your life that you're like, I wish this in the moment, I wish this never happened to me. As time goes on, you look at those moments, it goes, those things shaped things in me that I would never replace. Like, I don't want to go back and redo some of the hard things that I've experienced in my life, but those hard things have shaped me into who I am. And if you take those hard things out, I wouldn't be me. 
And we want to look through the lens of today's text. And we're going to be in Joshua a little bit in three and in 24 verses in Joshua 4. And so before we dive into the word, let's pray. Oh, Father, um, Lord, I, I can say let us remember, I can, I can point us to you, but Lord, it is, it is your spirit that leads. It, it's your spirit that frees, it's your spirit that sets us on a path that leads to life. And so Lord, as we remember the things that you've done for us, as we look through this moment in the life of Joshua, would you speak to our hearts? Would you, in this sermon, remind us of the deliverance, remind us of the things that you've done in our life and how powerful they were. And Lord, let us live like we did the moment after the deliverance happened, full of faith and full of excitement of who you are. So Lord, give us eyes to see and hearts that are soft to respond to your grace and your mercy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, where we picked up from last week, remember the spies went into the land and ten of them came back and were like, we're not going to win, we're going to lose. And because of that, they spent 40 years. So from last week to this week, there's been 40 years of just wandering around the desert, being close enough to see the promised land, but not having the faith to enter in. And we're picking up in chapter 3, after Moses has taken Joshua They've looked into the promised land. Moses is now dead. The mantle of leadership has fallen into uh, or onto the shoulders of Joshua. And Joshua is somewhere between mid-70s and mid-80s now. For all those that are like, man, I'm I'm, I'm too old to just get in there. No. Joshua lived for, I think it was 110 years. So he's getting ready to spend another 30 years leading the people of God. So God has never done. Our pastor back home used to say all the time that you don't retire, you refire. Terry had a great message um, this past uh, Veterans Day. You can check it out, that same idea that God's not done with you. And so he's, he's in his 70s or 80s. He's ready to step into, and God is going to show the people of Israel that the same power that Moses had through him, Joshua is now going to carry that. So we're going to pick this up in verse 7 of chapter 3. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they will know that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Verse 10. And Joshua said, how, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hebesites, the Perizzites. Uh, I talked last week that I, I struggle with words and I do practice these. Uh, the Gergazites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. He tells them, he's like, I'm going to show you how you're going to have power to overcome what is coming to you. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. The battles that are coming, that are going to be coming until you've occupied all the land that God has called you to. He's like, I'm going to show you. This is what Joshua is saying. Verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord 
of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel and from the tribe, a man and from each tribe, a man. Verse 13. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in a heap. This wasn't like the dry season. This is the banks are overflowing. This is a a river that is flooding down. And God doesn't just, and I love this, God doesn't just like, okay, guys, before you get there, I'm going to show you this. Those priests with the ark, have to step into this rushing water. The water doesn't stop stop until they step into it. And then the water that's moving down in flood stages across the thing piles up in a heap. And and, and notice, this isn't a small band of people. This is probably several hundred thousand to over a million people that have to cross this. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to a a riverbed that's dried out, maybe it's almost done, it's still hard to get through. God makes it so that millions of people can cross this place so they can walk through it. See, the people needed to know that they could trust in the power of God because this is a new generation. Some of these weren't even alive when um, Moses was delivering, or through God, God was delivering them from the people of Egypt. Some of them haven't seen the power. Some of them were maybe really young, but most of them, this is all new. They needed to know that you could trust in the Lord. And how are you going to do that but see his powerful hand? And the reason why he was saying this is because Jericho's next. One of the largest, most fortified cities that they're going to overtake is what's coming right after this. Okay, we're going to jump into um, chapter 4, verse 1. A lot of text today. So verse 1, it says, When all the nation finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, each of the tribe, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Okay? It's going to tell us in a little bit where they're going to lodge, but this isn't like right over the river. It's not like, hey, go grab a stone and just bring it to the side of the river. Where they're going to lodge that night is eight miles. I don't know about you. I've done a little bit of rucking. I've carried a little bit of weight. It's not fun. And that's in a backpack that's securely on my back with a weight that's, you know, perfectly placed against my shoulders so that I can carry it. This is a large boulder that you have carried. Now, I don't know if you've ever carried stones before. It's not fun. It's not easy. There's no soft place that you just put it on your shoulder and be like, this feels great. I mean, this was a labor for them to do. Verse 4. And Joshua called the twelve men, men from the people of Israel, whom, had, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. One from each tribe. Each tribe would have at least one man who would not forget this moment. Because he wanted to make sure, as these tribes, because as they camped, 
They camped separately. So there's each tribe that's set up into its own little community, and he needed to make sure that, that there's at least one person in that community that remembers what he's going to do with these stones. And I'm sure that they had not forgotten because they probably heard the stories of what the last time God called 12 men to do something. So I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. Man, I've got to do this right. I, I want to be faithful in it. I want to walk this out correctly. Verse 5. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. Not like, a, not like hey, I'm going to go pick up a, a memorial stone and put it. A stone that has to be placed on the shoulder. According to the number of tribes of the people, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when they passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that the stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. These were large stones, not small stones. He's going to carry these for eight miles and they're going to set these up as an altar that you would bring your kids back to to remember what God has done. Verse 8. The people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to a place that where they lodged and landed them there. And Joshua, this is a little side note, and I'm going I'm to make some speculation. I try to let you know uh, when I think it's speculation and when like this is like solid, rock solid, you know, testimony of what's going on. I'm going to make some speculation here. So Joshua uh, and Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day. So not only does he have 12 men carrying 12 stones that they're going to take to their camp eight miles away and set up a remembrance of what God has done, they also set up a pile of stones in the place where the feet of the priest were, in the water. And here's, here's some speculation. Here's some speculation. I'm telling you this, so you can, you can garbage it if you want. Um, I think there's potentially a lot of truth to it. Moses delivered to them the law during this time. The law was unable to save the people of God. That has been the story from the beginning. That's why we celebrate and worship Jesus, the living law, who came and did what we could not do. But they were unable to rescue and redeem themselves. They weren't even through Moses, which was probably one of the greatest leaders of the time, even able to get into the promised land. And remember the name of Joshua literally means God is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. So 12 stones representing the 12 tribes, all of the older generation, over 20-year-olds, perished in the desert. Never because of their unbelief. I believe that these stones were set up there as a remembrance of what they left behind. 
They left that unbelief there because going into the things that God has for them, they cannot, they cannot stay there. They're, they're washed over by the water. And I also believe this imagery of them coming through the Jordan, like coming through Moses or coming through the Red Sea. Uh, we're talking about, not talking about, we're going to do baptisms. I think we have three people that are getting baptized next week. This is a representation. We are unable to save ourselves. This water, and we we just had it redone. It's going to look brand new. It's the same one, but it's it's, it's beautiful. Uh, Josh Mather Pike redid it for us. It's, man, I'm super excited just to bring it in here. It looks great. The other one, same one, but it, the other one was beat up and it's brand new. But that water doesn't save you. You getting in the water and being baptized doesn't save you. It's the representation of what God has done for you. Just like them going through the Jordan. They could not go as a people through the Jordan as flood stages, but God did what they were unable to do and allowed them to pass through. And just like when we get in that water and we come out, the the idea is we're going into his death because we can't survive under the water. And we come up into the resurrected life and we leave behind the sin that we could not fix in ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin. It just means the power that sin had over us before is now gone. We have the capacity to walk in freedom, not because of our own strength and not because of our own ability, but because of Jesus Christ. And this was the same. This is the picture that God is giving the people. I'm your deliverer. I'm your de- Joshua, God is salvation. And I think that those were left there as a sign of what unbelief gave them, which was death. See, Moses was unable to deliver them, but God was. Okay, I'm done with speaking. Okay, verse 10. And the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. I love that it put that. Okay, see, I think some of y'all would be like, oh, look how great, this is cool. No, you're like, this is going to fall because you're, you're still aware that remember what happened to the last people who did not believe, who did not trust God? They are dead, all of them, hundreds of thousands of people, a whole generation now gone. And I'm sure as they're under the water, they're like, doo, 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 doo. and what I, what I love is he gets 12 people to go back in the river. Could you imagine crossing over and you're like, ah, whew, I'm far enough that when that wall of water comes down, it's not going to sweep me away. I'm now safe. And he's like, hey, hey, I need you to go get a stone. Like, um, it was overwhelming. But remember, those 12 would be the messengers of God's grace in deliverance as they go back and show because he knew. And this is what we need to know. And the reason why we need to know is for the generation to come. Because he knew at some point, just like the people that were crossing over the Jordan, that never saw the Red Sea get parted, they'd heard about it, never saw it, that there would be generations ahead of Joshua's generation that would not remember, which never saw the Jordan, but they needed to be reminded of the power of God. 
Verse 11. And when the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. Remember, those are the two and a half tribes that decided, we're going to stay over here. But they made a deal with Moses. But like, that's fine. But you agreed with the people to help take the land. So if you agree to come over here and fight with us to get the property that God has promised us, then you're free to go there. And Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle into the plains of Jericho. Remember, Jericho was the big city. If you're if you have kind of reading ahead and you read the beginning of Joshua, you've already seen um, that the two spies go into the land to see it, into Jericho. Verse 14. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel, all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Joshua waited faithfully. He was faithfully consistent for 40 years in the desert. Not a lot, And I talked about this last week. You know, if he wasn't careful and he wasn't connected to the presence, he would be mad, angry, bitter. Imagine how many of us have been mad, angry, bitter because we've been... We've been inconvenienced. I do it all the time to my wife and children. All the time. Like, oh. And I, just, I, just a side note, uh, my son came to second service a couple weeks ago, and I, I said, I made a statement that uh, my children um, could be, were viewed as an inconvenience. He was like, ooh, Dad. And then I said, like, I'm really working on trying to say yes. And he used a sermon against me. Because he was like, Dad, I want you to go with me to go do this thing, and I don't want to go do it. And he's like, Dad, in your sermon, you said you were going to start saying yes more. I'm like, daggone you listening to me preach. And you know what I did. I went with him to go look at a car. Um, anyway. <clears throat> but imagine how much it would be in the life of Joshua if he would allow that little whisper in his thing going, You deserve to go straight in. You didn't deserve to sit here for 40 years and he would let bitterness and anger and frustration and that would be how he led. But he didn't. He didn't. He was faithfully serving the Lord for those 40 years. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned. So I don't, I don't know, and God could have done it anyway. Some, something, happened to, something had to happen with the water that wasn't in the place that these millions of people walked. So I, or I it said heaped, heaped up. But did the water stop flowing? Did that heap continue to grow and grow as the water that was flowing down continued to pile up on the other side? And when they stepped on the other side, it was just a... I don't know. 
I think so. Not enough that it washed them away when they stepped on the other side, but when they stepped on the other side, the water came back. And their place, and it overflowed all its banks as before. And the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho, eight miles away from where they were at. And they crossed the Jordan. Here, here's kind of, kind of fun little tidbit here. They crossed the Jordan. Uh, <clears throat> they were crossing the Jordan four days before Passover on the way, on the very day that the preparation for it was to begin. Remember, Passover was something that God instituted as they were coming out of Egypt. It was the last straw that allowed them to be free where they would put the blood of the lamb over the lentils, over the doors, and that the the God of judgment, the, the, the angels that were coming to punish those, would pass over them. This was the beginning. See, everything that God does, He does so that we can remember. And, and what you'll hear Jesus say, as you're reading the Gospels, him who has ears, let him hear. And you'll hear him say words and phrases twice. What, what are important, he will repeat. I think Paul or Peter, I can't remember which one of them, says, it is no trouble for me to tell you these things again. Because he knows how important it is for us to remember who God is. See, this was a reminder of their deliverance from Egypt. And, and God's building on these things over and over again. Why we celebrate when Jesus came in to Passover. All these things were a picture, an image of what he had been doing from the beginning. All that he was bringing to the end. Verse 20. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Cool, cool little tidbits about Gilgal. The first king of Israel was crowned there. David was welcomed back after Absalom's rebellion at Gilgal. The school of the prophets was there at Gilgal. And Joshua's camp and the center of operations was also there. Especially on the basis. So as they were going out, uh, defeating and acquiring the promised land, the, the 31 kings that they had to overcome, they would come back and be set, they would be set within visual seeing of this power that God had done for them. Verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Are you prepared to answer the questions of your faith? It says be prepared to tell people of the joy that you're experiencing in Christ. Be prepared. Do you, do you have a reason for the joy? And do you, are you ready to tell people? You know, because your kids, as they grow, like little kids, they have questions, but the older your kids go, the more pointed their questions are going to be because they want to know what is real. And the rocks were a representation of what God had done and would do to deliver. Verse 22 it says, Then you shall tell your children, uh, you, will t you will let your children know, Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know 
that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That all the people of the earth should know. We're still in this place that we are the hands and feet of God. People are not interested in partial truths. People are not interested in a weak religion. People are interested in, is there power enough to save me? Is there power enough? And we need to be reminding ourselves because you don't know what day that you're going to be encountered with someone that's going to ask you those questions. And if we are not living historically, we get in one of those moments where the fear of everything is overcoming us, then we might in that moment be like, I don't know, I'm terrified. Instead of remembering what God had done. See, what we remembers, remember matters. The history of God's faithfulness is repeated over and over throughout the Bible. So is the amount of times his people forgot. If you read the Old Testament, here's the story in a short. God would show up, the people were desperate, and he would deliver them. The people would be excited about that deliverance, but then they would forget. They'd begin to do their own thing. They'd begin to let sin and influence, and they would would become just like the world, and then they would drift away from God. And then at some point, they would cry out for the Father, and the Father would come back and would rescue them. And they would be grateful for the rescue. They would praise His glorious name, and then somewhere after that, they would drift away, and they would forget. And then at some point, It would happen again. They would get so desperate that they would cry out to the Father and the Father would come and rescue and redeem. They'd be grateful for that and then they would forget. That is the story of the Old Testament over and over again. If we're honest, that's the story of our life. Because we're a people that forget. We're a people that in spite of these moments, and I'm pointing at this baptismal that's not here, in spite of these moments where we're like, yes, Jesus is my rescuer and my deliverer. See, the only way we live in that moment is we stay in this place of remembering who he is. And one of the chief ways of doing that is staying connected. Remember, what made Joshua different is he was connected to the presence of God. If you're not connecting yourself to the presence of God, reading his word, praying, connecting to other people of God together, you'll be a person just like everyone else that forgets how good and gracious he is. And the only way that we maintain that is learning how to be faithful consistently. See, my hope as we've talked about this 21 days of prayer and fasting is I'm encouraging people to get in the one-year Bible. And by the way, um, I have 43 copies of the one-year Bible in the house today. So if you don't have one uh, and you would like one, uh, the table has probably 10. There's boxes. There's two boxes still in our closet if you want one. We would love for you to have one. One, your Bible basically is breaks up the Bible so that if you read today's date, you'll get some Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And if you pick it up, um, you'll catch the end of the story of uh, Joseph, which favorite Old Testament biblical character, 100%. And you read a little bit of New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And if you read every day over 365 days, you will read the entire Bible. Um, now, whether you're ready for that or not, you can grab one of those and maybe just read the New Testament and the Psalm and Proverbs, or you can read everything, but we'd love for you to have one, our free gift 
to you. Grab one on your way out. But we don't want 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're trying to prime a pump. Um, I lived in the country growing up. Um, Anybody else have a well that you always kept like a gallon or two gallons of water so that when it lost its prime, you would go out there and pour it in there? There's nothing worse than being in the shower and that water just stops running. Lots of times we lived out in the country and we had those when someone didn't fill out those things. And you know what you would do? You would go out there with your gallon of water and you would you would you would you'd pour it down this little hole and it would prime the pump and then get the water flowing again. This this 21 days of prayer and fasting is not something we want you to do for 21 days. We're trying to prime the pump. And get you to understand, because truthfully, if you connect to the Father, not that it'll be perfect, not that it'll be easy, you learn to connect to His presence, He'll lead you in ways that you never expected, and your life will be better. It will be. But then you'll have the whisper of that, uh, the, the, the devil, the whatever, the flesh. They're like, ah, you know, that thing that we used to do isn't that bad. You know, that whatever, fill in the blank that is, that you're like, it, it, it didn't hurt you that bad. And then you get into these patterns that, it, that hurt you. I, I want you to get into a place that you're like, God, I remember how good you are to me. And I want to learn to be faithful consistently. See, the first thing that you do to learn to live on this side of history, remembering who God is and what he's done, is that you have to have something to remember. You have to cross the river. It's real hard to remember the goodness of God if you've not experienced it. And, and, and church is meant to, the word is meant to lead you to the person and work of Jesus Christ that you would trust wholly in him. But for you to remember how good the deliverance of God is, you have to cross over that water. And, and I believe this is kind of an imagery for the people of us as they cross through the water... They were crossing through into the promised land. Into, it's almost an imagery of what salvation looks like. You had this disobedience, this unfaithfulness, this unbelief, and you cross over by the power of the living God into what God has for you. And it's not easy and perfect over there, but you learn to walk into the things of God. So you cannot remember something that hasn't happened. And so it hasn't happened, and, and this is, let me let you a little bit into the heart of who I feel that God's called me to reach. I grew up in and around church my entire life. Uh, there was never a season in my life that church wasn't something, a part of it, that I went to. And I spent the first 18 years of my life uh, with an awareness of who God is, but I had no connection to the Father. I mean, I could, we, if we had a conversation, I would tell you I was a Christian, I would tell you that I was saved, I would tell you that I was a sinner, and God... You know, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, but there was no connection to the Father for me other than information. And so part of the calling that I have as a pastor here in the South is I'm aware that there's people in this room that maybe have been around Christianity their whole life, but they've never had a connection to the Father. You cannot remember what He's done if He's never done anything for you. And so the first thing is you have to cross over. You have to, you have to decide Is the Father worth the trust? And then you cry out and say, God, I want that. And you want Him to have that first moment. Um, In Revelation, it says, 
remember what he did at the beginning. If there was no beginning, if there was not that moment, you can't remember it. But if you have, those in this room that have had authentic, life-changing experiences with the Father, you need to remember what he did for you then. And stay in those places. Psalm 62.1, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes salvation. He alone is the rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So for those in here that, you know, you are a child of God, you love Jesus, I'm going to ask you a question. What, what are your stones? What are the things that you're like, that you need to, you need to set your eyes to and go, man, remember, remember what, how good God was. Remember when he did this. Remember this thing. What is that? Because you need to set those before you. And on top of that, what did you leave in the water? Because I think sometimes we're a people that want to go back in that water and we want to pick up one of those stones of unbelief and be like, ha-ha, this is good, I want it. What do you need to place back in the water? What are you doing to remember? Because here's, here's the truth, and I'm going to invite our worship team back up. What happens when we forget? We repeat the same painful God is never saying, hey, guys, remember to punish you. He's saying, remember to give you life, to lead you to this place that you can cross out of that. Because we need to be a people that live there. Because I know every single day I need to remember because there are opportunities. And I, I've told you all this. I'm, I am uh, probably 40 days or 50 days into this um, I call it my morning declarations, where pretty, pretty soon after I get up, I lay my face on the ground, and I'm like, God, Son of the living God, what do you want from me today? That's my first question. And I sit, listen, and then I start telling all these things that I'm going to trust you with, which usually my kids are in there, my wife is in there, this church is in there, all the things that I'm struggling trusting him. It, it could be work, it could be family, it could be whatever, but the things I want him to know that, Lord, I trust you with these things. In the end of those prayers, I'm like, Lord, I, I, I just told you that I trust you. Help me walk it out. And you know what? Um, just, just yesterday, I, I, I behaved poorly. Um, I had an opportunity to give grace, and I didn't. It's funny. I've been praying that when these things happen, like that God would just, like I would be able to walk in a manner that is worthy and pleasing to Him. I'm praying those things and still in the moment, and it was something dumb. I'm not even going to tell you. It was something dumb. I mean, I, you know, I didn't break anything, I didn't punch a hole in the wall, nothing. But like I didn't give the grace that I should have. And you, you know what happened? About two minutes. After I showed my tail, the Holy Spirit's like, what you going to do about that? And I went upstairs, <laughs> and I confessed my sin. I was like, Lord, I, not Lord, I was talking to Jody. I was like, Jody, 
Jody, um, these are scenarios that I'm praying for, and I failed. And I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm actively trying to walk out of these things. I, I want to remember what God has done and will do. But it, but it takes this humility of just going, God, that, that's a thing that I was, I've been trying to leave in the water. Trying to leave in the water. And so what are the stones? What are the things that you need to remember? And maybe these are things that you need to write down again. You need to think about what it was when God did this thing in you that he had never done before. Or maybe that other miraculous thing. You need to remember how good he is. But you also need to remember there's things that were meant to stay in the water that you need to go back and leave them there. This is 2024, um, and I'm believing that God is going to do amazing things in this church body this year. And for that to happen, that doesn't mean that we, we're going to sing to the best. We're going to sing to the best of our ability, but like it, it, I don't think the song and the words going to change. I think we are going to change. And, and that happens when we're willing to say, God is big enough and worthy enough for me to give everything. And so I, I just want to throw this out there. If you're here at any point in this church, never use, I've been a, I've been a Christian forever. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been in the church forever since I, I can remember. If you've never bent a knee to the Father and say, I'm yours. Not proximity, but I mean surrender. Don't waste time. These are moments that you can be like, God, I'm, I'm yours. I, I'm, I'm your child. And step into that. Because where he's going to lead us is we're only going to get there if we surrender to him. The victory is never going to be had by our own power Joshua didn't command the water to go up by his own power. He, and I notice this as you're reading it. Read it again today, tomorrow, this week. Everything that he did, God told him to do. He said, tell the priest. He told the priest. Tell the this. That he just did what he told, what the Father told him to do. And so that's what we need to do. We need to learn to connect to the presence of God, to learn to hear his voice, and to walk in his ways. So let's pray. Father, if we've never crossed the water, Lord, I I pray not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of joy, we would say yes to you. Lord, that you would give us that first moment, that first thing that we remember, the goodness of your salvation for us, your willingness to justify us through your sacrifice. It was your work. And Lord, we trust in you and what you finished on the cross for us. You said it is finished. And so Lord, let it be finished in us, in our hearts, in our souls. So if there's anyone in this room that needs to bend the knee today, Lord, I pray that you with celebration welcome them to the family. And for all of your sons and daughters in this room that aren't living historically under the grace that you've laid out for them, the proof that you've showed them over and over again, not out of guilt and not out of shame, but would you show them that your way is better? Lord, we, we want to be a people that change our city. 
But we cannot change our city and we cannot change our homes until we change our hearts. So would you work on us so that in your working of us, Lord, you can change our homes and our cities. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the word that you've provided through the faithful example of Joshua. Help us be faithful consistently. Not flashy, not arrogant, but humble, consistent people. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.